Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Today we are talking about the blessed man, part two, and what we're going to be discovering today is how do we live life following the true blessed man, Jesus Christ, our risen king. What we'll find out today is that there's a way to live life like he is king today because he is king today. So let's jump into this conversation and see what it's like to bring the kingdom of Jesus into our lives right now. Nate, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but do you have a favorite Bible passage? And if so, have you got a chance to teach it yet? <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I really actually have a favorite Bible passage. I have favorites, you know. Yeah. I always like to ask people that question. I have one of my daughters is like notorious for like when you ask her favorite, she gets mm. stressed out yeah. by that. So I Wait, get a little pressure. stressed out with that question. I always like if I ever get a <laughs> chance to change like life group yeah. questions, you know, it's like, what's your favorite? I'm like, ah. <laughs> Can you change that to Top three. one of your favorites? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I need it a little broader than that. Um, and yeah, I mean, all my favorites, I've gotten a, plenty of chances to teach. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's tight. I have a favorite passage of scripture. It's Mark 6. And uh, I've taught it pretty poorly before, but also pretty well before, I feel like. Okay. But do you feel like you've had to like redo? What part of Mark 6? The Nazareth episode? What With the... Um, the man among the tombs. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just love that portion where Jesus just says, go back home and tell everybody what, what I've done for you. I just love that Yeah, so much. I remember, I think you actually gave me a chance to teach on a Sunday night one time. Is it my first time teaching on a Sunday night? It might've been, I remember it did not go well. And then I went to Mexico on a missions trip and got asked to speak there at the church that we went to. And it was like a bilingual situation. They're translating what I was saying in English to Spanish. Right. They're like, and, if this is bad, we'll just make the translator <laughs> will make it better. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know what he was saying, but I got to share that with uh, the young adult group there. It was really special, but I was just curious if you had a favorite. Did it go better the next time? I think it went better that time. I, fe- I felt like there, like God was using that for those people. It was a cool moment. Yeah. And it was on my birthday, which is kind of special too, oh, but that's cool. it was fun. That's cool. It's kind of like a middle school question I feel like to ask about your favorite Bible verse, but I was curious about your favorite chapter or book and if you got to teach it or not. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick like one of my favorites, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is a real favorite of mine that we all with unveiled face beholding us in a glory, as in a glass of glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. I love teaching about that transformational sanctification process. Yeah. I've had some fun times teaching that that, that, uh, sermon. So cool. Well, man, I loved your message from Sunday about Psalm 2. You know, Psalm 1, all about this blessed man. And Manny is really helpful in showing us that the blessed man is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that we are blessed because Jesus has saved us Mm -hmm. and redeems us. Psalm 2 feels like it has a different tone to it, though, because... A little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit of a different tone. Um, When you're thinking about this passage... Are Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 connected at all? You think, are they kind of separate 
from one another because this is called the blessed man part two yeah yeah you know it's it's interesting that that's an interesting question because we widely recognize that the compilation of the psalms it was just mm-hmm. kind of done years later yeah you know so there can be almost a feeling like oh the you know the order really it's good mm-hmm. but divine yeah, can right. we really go that far? We can say that the content of each psalm is divine, but can we say that the order is mm. divine? However, it seems like, I mean, Psalm 1 is so different from all the rest of the psalms. Yes, yeah, true. And so it seems like that one definitely was supposed to be first in mm. the mind of God. But the interesting thing is that in um, the New Testament, when Paul is preaching in Acts 13, he quotes from Psalm 2, hmm. and he actually says, as it says in the second Psalm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. So a lot of times they didn't do that because they didn't have the chapter and verse, you know, um, in in their copies of Scripture. Hmm. But, of course, you know, the way the Psalms are written, it's just very natural. Like, this is a new one. This is a new one. This is a new yeah. one. So not so much chapter breaks, but clearly I'm working with a new Psalm. And hmm. Paul kind of put his apostolic stamp on yeah that's the second one so not full you know back up to the idea that yeah oh yeah definitely this is a sequel it was had to be second but it just seems to me like god uh you know sovereignly ordered these in a specific Mm -hmm. way and that the first verse of chapter one begins with describing the blessed man and then the last verse of chapter two describes what the blessed man hmm. looks like. I think that is a great parallel together. Yeah. And then that Psalm one describes a person who's all about the word and walking with God and in the fear of the Lord. Psalm two hmm. describes the nations raging against God's law. They don't yeah. want to be subservient to it. They don't want to submit to it. Hmm. That Psalm one describes, you know, this life that as pastor Manny shared with us, Jesus really was the only one to perfectly hmm. fulfill and live out uh, so that he actually became the one who went to the tree that bears fruit because we believe in him. But then in Psalm 2, there he is. He's the anointed son hmm. that is going to be the ruler of to the to the ends of the earth and that we should submit to him, honor him, kiss yeah. the son, lest he be angry with you, it says. So it definitely seems like the two That's cool. go together. Yeah, Yeah, there's some parallels mm. there. This psalm was... But you're right about the tone. I mean, Psalm 1, <laughs> yeah. super teachy. Yep. Psalm 2, pretty prophetic. Super prophetic, yeah. like bold and um, just culturally astute. Yeah. Um, it's after these two psalms that you start getting into some like just lovelier, more <laughs> devotional territory yes. than we've been at so far. Totally. This is like one of those passages where I was like, that whole, you know, that idea of... God's word cutting to the heart. This felt like one of those kind of chapters to me. It's like cutting through all the noise and getting yeah. to like, oh yeah, humanity is rebellious. Jesus is perfect. He is that anointed one. We're not the anointed one. He is. And I just love that emphasis on Jesus being the king. It doesn't say Jesus here, but like you mentioned in the study, the things that this psalm is talking about can only be really attributed to right yeah there's no son of david david never none of those guys ever ruled to the ends of the earth broke the nations with a rod of iron 
were given total, complete dominion. Yeah. You know, they never had that. Jesus yeah. has that. Amen. So true. I wanted to ask about the humanity portion of this psalm. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about how humanity is, you know, well, this psalm is just talking about the rebellion of humanity against God's restraints. And one of the things you mentioned was this idea that we have in culture about living out our truth and how that is in direct rebellion against the truth. But you kind of mentioned about the the emotional side of humanity and how we oftentimes follow our emotions. We follow our truths. Mm-hmm. And um, I was curious, you know, in the church we talk about emotions sometimes and how they're they're not really useful for making decisions. We shouldn't follow them like the truth. But I know they are important to our faith to some degree. I just wondered if you could talk about the importance of our emotions when it comes to worshiping God. Are, are they good? Are they bad? Do they only lead to this kind of corruption like we're talking about? Or sure. do they lead to worship at times? Like, What is the role of emotions? Sure. Yeah, well... I mean, I understand that lots of people talk about that, but I don't really spend very much of my pulpit time talking about the emotions in a negative way. Yeah. Um, They just are meant to have their proper place. You know, Mm -hmm. God made us as emotional beings. We're whole creatures. We have a soul that we're meant to maintain and protect and guard. Um, It is like a stream that is influencing everything else about us. And Mm -hmm. our emotions are part of that. So, the point that I was making in the teaching wasn't really about uh, emotions per se, Mm. but more about how, you know, there is sometimes an accusation against Christians uh, or really anybody of any belief system that others disagree with. And the accusation is you're just making that decision for emotional reasons. So you get some kind of like Mm -hmm. therapeutic comfort from embracing Christianity. Uh, You feel good that Mm -hmm. you're going to see grandma again someday because she was a Christian. And so you think that you're going to see her in the afterlife and that brings you some feeling of comfort or you feel alone and small, but because you believe that God is there with you and you can talk with him, that's why you believe in Mm -hmm. him. There's these benefits that you're getting, but that accusation, it actually goes two ways. The, reality of the passage, it kind of reveals, well, people that don't believe in God also have emotional Mm. motivations for rejecting him. And the big one that the text mentions is, well, if God exists, God tells us how we should live our lives. And I mean, there's famous philosophers who basically say like, I can't believe in God. I want to have sex with whoever and however Mm. I want to. Yeah. So you know, there's emotional reasons there. So those arguments, the point is throw them away. We all have emotional reasons for believing what we believe. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not, that should not be the driving factor for making our religious faith based kind of decisions about the way we're going to structure and build our lives. But in the day to day thing, you know, that you're bringing up just, you know, our emotions, a good thing or a bad thing. They can be either. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we have negative emotions, positive emotions, but man, I praise God for the emotional life, hey, you amen. know, and just mm-hmm. 
the the joy of different experiences can you can you imagine interacting with artistic expressions or good food mm -hmm. or uh, funny friends like without <laughs> emotions can yeah. you imagine reading a good novel or getting into scripture or hearing a good sermon or having good fellowship without emotions I mean uh, can you imagine anybody doing anything about injustice or mm -hmm. poverty uh, without emotions I mean emotions are are can be really great we just yeah. don't want to sear our conscience so that our emotions are warped um, mm -hmm. and also we have to you know there's just times I think you alluded to it where we have to recognize you know I can't let my emotions get the best of me yeah I might be angered but there's a certain way to respond or I might be attracted to someone but there's a certain way to respond you know the, like the emotions hmm. can't just we're not animals in other totally. words we have to yeah. you know figure out and process what's the best way for me to process and use these emotions that I'm having but now, praise God for them. Amen. Well, thank you for letting the worship leader ask about emotions for a minute. <laughs> you just saw that word. I was like, oh my gosh, i got to ask him about it. i got to go for it. <laughs> Am I allowed to be emotional? This is great. <laughs> oh man, I wanted to ask you about um, Jesus and him being king. Because um, there's this interesting thing about Jesus where, yes, he is king. But he will also be reigning fully as king when he returns again. There's this like he is and will be mm -hmm. kind of thing. I just wondered if you can kind of help us understand that dynamic a little bit because this psalm does talk about that future king a little bit. Um, what does it look like for Jesus to be king now? And what is it? what will it look like for him to be king in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because in the song you have all these peoples and nations that are trying to rebel against God's leadership. Mm -hmm. God laughs and says, I appoint my king in the holy in my holy hill and and then urges us at the close of the song to recognize him mm -hmm. and his leadership. So what and and then talks about a day that's coming when, as yes, you said, right. his kingly reign will be felt and experienced to the ends of the earth. So what are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. There's a day coming where he will reign over everything, but he's been appointed as king today. Yeah. Does that just mean that someday in the future he'll really be king? Um, what does it mean? Well, the thrust of the song is submit to him right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want things to go well for you in his future reign, then act like it's already happening. That's so. Good. I think a great hmm. measurement of the quality of our Christian lives and the quality of our lives in general is how much is my life expressing Jesus's kingdom right now? Mm -hmm. um, what areas of my life is he reigning in and over? What areas of my life is he not reigning in and over? And then beyond that, because I think a lot of times we just we very much are tempted to overly personalize the things of scripture. And, um, you know, I think evangelical Christians were notorious for this, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I'm going to church. What did I get out of it? What did I get out of the sermon? But the reality is that we're part of a broader community. We're, we're living here on 
planet Earth for a reason. So we should also be looking out into our, you know, areas of influence and into our world and asking the question, what pockets do I see that are currently not under the kingly Mm. leadership of Jesus that he might want to send me into so that that happens more than it's happening already. Now, none of us are going to rule with a rod of iron. None of us are going to see everything, you know, to the ends of the earth, you know, the glory of the Lord covering the earth, like the waters cover the sea. We're not going to see that till Jesus returns, but it's, and, and nor am I saying, and I want to be clear about this, nor am I saying that our goal is to keep through our lives, expanding the kingdom until collectively and all together, because we just did such a good job. Jesus is like, well, man, now I got to come back and rule and reign because like, I kind of already am because you guys are so, you know, doing such an awesome job. That's really not the way it's going to work. It seems scripturally that there's this simultaneous growing of the wheat along with the tares that things will both get better and worse Mm -hmm. simultaneously. But we're in the kingdom supposed to be about the things getting better part. Mm -hmm. And so we're to work towards that and want to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven as much as possible. Now, there's only so much each individual person can do, but we should be asking that question. Again, not just about my personal, devotional, inward, holy experience, not just even in my family unit or even just in my church network and family, but beyond and into the community that I'm in and part of and out into the world. So, you know, everybody's going to have to answer that question for themselves, but that's the goal of this Psalm is Mm. to get us to that place of Jesus is going to be King someday fully. So I want to operate as fully as possible, uh, with him being my King today. Man, that's so cool. I love that. Um, Thinking about Jesus coming again one day, you know, a lot of us, I'm I'm sure some of us think oftentimes like, is that a sign that he's coming? Is that a sign? Is this a sign? And we can kind of start thinking, you know, scripture tells us to look forward to that hope we have in Jesus. But I know that some of us too probably get overwhelmed with the way society is going, the bad stuff that's going on here is mentioning and thinking like, oh, it's really going down. So Jesus must be coming back, almost like there's no hope, so he's coming back kind of thing. I don't want to put down anybody's you know perspectives or anything. I just, I'm curious from you, what, what's an appropriate way to kind of wait for yeah. Jesus' kingdom to yeah. come? Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you asked that because I've been wanting to declare a date that I think Jesus is going <laughs> to Let's go. <laughs> On the record, let's do this. <laughs> nope, not allowed to do that. Um, <laughs> No man knows the day or the hour, but, um, yeah, you know, and lots of people get very specific, you know, like, Mm -hmm. wow, the, the, uh, you know, the embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And so what this means is this and this, and you know, it's going to happen sometimes. Like I, I, you know, you, you know me well enough to know that I'm, I'm just not that kind of pastor. I'm not that kind of thinker. I don't look at the Bible through that particular lens. I think the day is coming where we're going to figure it out and, 
Uh, it's all going to make sense. I mean, I, I just remember sitting there, hmm. you know, as like a teenager listening to a pastor, like talk about the Euro and how the Euro had this woman on it that was with a beast or something and hmm. all these governments coming together, a one world government and yeah. just sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, like it's about to yeah, happen. Totally. And then shortly after that, it was Y2K was going to mm-hmm. go down and man, all the computers of the world were going to be off the grid. It was going to be apocalyptic. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like these things occur. I do agree. They're alarming. They're yeah, scary. But right. Jesus said when, you know, there's going to be wars and rumors of yeah, wars, right. do not be alarmed. Do not be afraid. The end is mm-hmm. not yet. So I'm just kind of waiting, you know, for the Lord to do his thing. And then I think we'll be able to look back and see through the lens of scripture. Oh, that's how, that's what he meant. And that's how mm-hmm. it all, you know, is supposed to happen. And, you know, to your question, you know, I think embedded in it, there's something that I would say, I, th- I think Christians need to be careful with. And, and what it is, is you, you asked, you know, gosh, it just seems like it's, really getting worse can kind of feel like things are going downhill, you know, kind of deal. And I think what I would say is to us, Mm -hmm. you know, to us, uh, you know, I've known Christians Mm -hmm. in places like Europe, they've felt a lot of the things that we've, we're feeling today in the United States. They've been feeling those things for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So the post Christian society that we're in now is nothing new for many of the Christians throughout the world. So though it might feel alarming to us today, it's Mm -hmm. not as alarming to them. It's funny. I was just, I had a conversation the other day with a pastor from, um, North Carolina, Hmm. but he's a California guy. Okay. And uh, actually from Northern California, nearby uh, town. And, we were chatting and he was just asking like, how's California, you know, what, mm. and how's Monterey, you know? And, and like, he's like, is it, is it, is it dark there? Is, is the ground hard, you mm. know? And, um, but in asking him about his situation in a more churched kind mm. of community, yeah. a lot of people believe in God there. It was interesting because, you know, this guy's a real, you know, frontline, like apologist, mm-hmm. real smart guy. And he just said, I miss California. Oh, He's wow. like, it is so hard out here. It is wow. so hard out here because it's just the apathy mm-hmm. and the, you yeah. know, what he's pushing against with the churchiness is just so hard. You got lots of people who don't know the gospel, but they know church. Sheesh. So they're just as not saved as anybody else. Straight up. You know, so he was just kind of expressing like, man, I just miss, miss that, that old school, like you're a pagan, you don't know God, you hate God. It's clear. Let's deal with this, you know, kind of thing rather than the like, of course I love God. I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. His thing was like, that's harder. So I think we have to be careful with the whole, it's getting so bad. And I think there's just some things about that, that you know, it makes the wheat and the tares just stand out a little more clearly and it makes our work a little bit more straightforward and we kind of know the game that we're playing, you know? And so I think in a sense, like I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think yeah. it's an exciting time to be alive too. Yeah. So as hard as it is, 
And as rapidly as some portions of our culture are decaying, and as rapidly as people have wholesale adopted some terrible ideologies that make no logical sense whatsoever, I'm kind of excited about living yeah. in the midst of all of it. Amen. You know, it's like, wow, you, you know, you're either going to be a Christian or you're, or you're, you're going to get smoked by this yeah. time that we're in. So, um, I forget what you even asked, you know, at the beginning <laughs> of this, uh, diatribe that I'm on right now, but I, I'm just excited about what is coming and the age that we're in. There's just so much work to do. Amen, bro. Oh yeah. I feel it too. I feel like God is moving. He's doing stuff in California. He's doing it in North and South Carolina. He's doing it in Asia. He's doing it in Ukraine. Like God is not stopping at all. And it's yeah. so exciting to be the church and to be joining God in this mission and to share Jesus with people. I, I love it too. Totally. I feel really I mean, excited how, too. It's, I, I feel like it, it's, there's so much like cataclysmic chaos right now that mm -hmm. it's, it's like hard to look at it all and think God is not involved in this. Totally. It's like, I feel that way too. I've never seen anything like this. This is yeah. God, God has got to be like working mm -hmm. behind the scenes, doing some pretty real stuff to break up some fallow ground, mm -hmm. you know, hard soil. Like sometimes it, Sometimes soil can get so hard it needs a jackhammer, you know, and that's what it feels like right now. Just, yeah. man, this is so disruptive, just a real disruptive time. Yeah. And uh, there's a part of me that praises God for it as yeah. hard as it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be praying for the jackhammers. I like that, <laughs> that picture. Yeah. Uh, just as we wrap up, Nate, I, I wanted to talk about, um, you mentioned it a little bit um, just a minute ago, but about bringing the kingdom into our lives today. And I, I've always loved that picture. You know, that's part of Jesus' prayer that he taught his disciples, mm -hmm. you know. Um, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I was curious if you could just help us understand what that looks like for us personally. Like, where, where is, How do we bring Jesus' kingdom into our lives today? Mm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think, I kind of reflected on it a little bit already in the podcast, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'll try to just kind of be personal about it, you know, in my own life. I think if I could give a word of advice about it, here we go. It would be, it requires, um, it requires some honest inspection or introspection where if you if you have a hard time self analyzing you know and you have a hard time um seeing where there are definitive places and and definitive space for growth if you have a hard time seeing that it's going to be hard to really know what you're looking for with seeing hmm. Jesus's kingdom expand you know in your life i mean of course, I want people to be in the word every day and praying every day and, um, you know, interacting with Jesus every day. I think that that's the keystone habit that will help them see Jesus' kingdom principles every day, be exposed to them every day, be corrected about them every day, have a chance to repent of times that they haven't been that way every day. 
to me, that's like the big thing. It still shocks me even today when I talk to someone who's just like, yeah, just, you know, I'm just not doing it. I just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't, I don't really feel it. Um, that is frustrating to me Mm -hmm. because how can you, you know, what's a kingdom you have a king. And if you don't have any interaction with the king, then of course it's going to be hard for the kingdom to be apparent in Mm -hmm. your life. So, um, he can help you with that introspection. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say he can also help you with the transformation that's required. Mm, So I, I, I suppose my word of advice is you've, you've got to allow the King space to give you that inspection. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. For more information and to take the discussion further, you can visit nateholdridge.com for additional articles and content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time, God bless.